Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, Jack Harper, and not quite as always, but here today. <laughs> you have to, <laughs> to stick it in. The matchup we'll be getting into today is 2003's Kill Bill Volume 1 versus 1994's Speed. How's everyone doing today? Sean, not been working too hard, I hope. Not too bad. Not too bad this week. More relaxed, but last few weeks I have been. Hence why I've not been here. But. Well, I mean, I don't know if you've listened back. We've had two very professional podcasts in the last two weeks. So if the standards well, slip today, we know what we need to look at. Oh yeah, I, I do. I do listen, and unlike unlike some other pod members, I listen to every pod. Who are you digging that ear? I'll put my hands up and say I don't. <laughs> Don't say that. Don't say that on air. No, I just yeah, but I, if when I experience them, I don't need to. And then if I don't, you just yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with I'm with keen on that. I was more aiming that towards more um, Monday night focused people. But um, yeah, I don't listen to pods that I'm on. That would be a bit strange. Well, do you listen to them, Byron? I I don't. I uh, I listen to while I edit. Um, yeah, yeah. Some I listen to more than others, where there's more I need to remove than others. Um, but otherwise, no, not usually, unless I'm getting some clips. But I don't really like hearing my own voice back, which would be strange when you know how much I talk on these. I know TK listens to him back. I see. So there you go. Interesting. That, that's something that says a lot about him, really. That says a lot about <laughs> his character. Numbers game, Sean. True, true. All right. Big week this week. I'll say, without uh, talking about preferences and things like that, I think this is my favourite week with both films since probably Gladiator against Point Break. Controversial, that. I don't think it is. I don't think it is controversial. I think these films, we were speaking off air in... It is probably one of the most enjoyable weeks, I reckon. Added to it that I hadn't seen either properly as well. That, yeah. I'd like to experience them both for the first time again, that'd be wicked. Because I don't know if you remember, Sean, we're going to start with Kill Billy. Um, we had to watch a scene of it in media studies. Um, or, I mean, I don't want to put too much dirt on your name here, but we did genuinely used to see Sean sleeping in the lessons to the point where the teacher I think even saw it as well and just carried on the lesson <laughs> so I'm not sure if he'll remember the lesson but the the, the scene we saw was actually uh, the opening scene where she gets shot in the head and for ages well since then I've always thought that was quite an integral scene and that I kind of had part of that ruined for me. So only when I got to watch it um, on Monday night, I saw it's actually the opening scene. I felt quite foolish. Yeah, but I kind of sure remember that. 
Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I don't. I mean, I don't remember the particular uh, example, probably because I was asleep. But um, <laughs> there you go. But yeah, that, that that kind of sums up a lot of media studies, though, isn't it? Like looking at it was always about like this person's wearing red because of um, best. Yeah, I know. The the best memory I have of media studies is watching a clip from Saw. Um, well, I think it might be the one where it's like the the face the face mask and he's got to get the key out. Um, I can hate that scene. Well, a kid a kid, a kid um, in our class had to like leave the room after, and he was on like wobbly legs, like he was in round ten, and he's just been caught with a sweet uppercut. He had to go and sit on the sofas at the common room because he was he, he was all over the shop. Can you give me a uh, rhymes with? Yeah, um, it rhymes with uh, Sharon Mead, which also could feasibly be a name, not like some of the other ones we have. Uh, it reminds me of that science lesson at Crypt, where there was a lad that they were pushing like mush through a tight, and yeah. he's like, the intestines alive, and this kid fainted. This <laughs> 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 is outrageous. If that, that's like social suicide doing something like that. <laughs> You'll constantly get people going up to you saying, "Oh, don't faint." Um, well, like, what, uh, yeah. what a joke that was though. That time, like media studies, when we did it, like, you just sit in a room. I love that. I love media film. studies. I know it was. It was. It was, well, yeah, it was amazing. Alex, if Alex was here, he'd probably give you a piece of his mind after, after I say this. The bit that was actually the most fun, the creative side of it, you quite literally did just let leave to Alex to do. So. You didn't really get Again, you, you the interesting side of it. You say this. I, I, look, I, I don't deny that Alex did the vast majority. I probably would say like close, close to 80%. 80%, yes. I did, do, I did do a little bit. I got involved in that stuff. It was just Alex was better at it. So the things that he did ended up in the final cut. But I did go into the editing room and do that kind of thing. Because like I said, yeah, it, it is interesting. Um, anyway, Kill Bill. We're not quite Tarantino yet, so... Uh... We'll listen to some of the masters here. Synopsis. After awakening from a four-year coma, a former assassin wreaks vengeance on the team of assassins who betrayed her. Pretty standard Tarantino-type plot here. Um, a bit weird, but brilliant. Certainly, of the synopsis that we've seen, that's one where if you would see it, do you remember that little free magazine you used to get at a cinema that would tell you about all the films coming up? <laughs> yeah. Um, if you saw that, if you saw that in there, that you could go and watch that film just based off based off that before you had like the IMDb app on your phone to tell you a film's garbage before you sat through it. Technology's taken over. Yeah, because I mean we'll get onto it later, but I had memories of watching Speed Two when I was younger and. The only one I looked on IMDb. I I don't remember it being that bad. <laughs> Critics reviews then for Kill Bill. So, for a film that is ultimately just the first piece to a larger narrative, it does not disappoint. Now, did any of you watch this at the time of it coming out? Because for me, part of the reason why I was a bit more patient, particularly towards the end was that I knew there was a second film. Same with, like, uh, when you tuned into The Fellowship of the Ring, you knew, you knew you were in it for three films, so you weren't gutted when it ended with them kind of sending a little boat away and 
not quite the dramatic ending there. Yeah, it's weird because Kill Bill never really has any jeopardy. It's just kind of, she kicks ass and let's see how she does it, essentially. I think let's get even one without, slash in the back. Yeah, like even without knowing that that's the second film. Like, you, you, it is basically just like a walkthrough guide of this is how you be a badass. I, as much as when you just said it then, I did completely agree. When you think about it, she is in a coma for four years. She comes out of that and can't move her legs for a short period of time. She's shot in the head and she's slashed in the back with a sword. She is in some jeopardy. She just carries it off well. Yeah, I guess maybe that's it. <laughs> because she is such a badass, maybe I never feel that she's in jeopardy. So maybe no, that's I know what you mean. Just Uma Thurman being a badass. Who the hell was in more I, jeopardy? I, 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 I would just, just, just quickly, I was just going to say the point of the fact that there seems to be at least more, at least one bloke trying to shadow while she's in a coma. That's probably it's probably a bit, bit jeopardy. Well, what yeah. I found like interesting as well is that it's thirteen hours later after she's been in the back of his car. Does that mean no one's gone in down that hallway where she smushed her guy's head against the door? Yeah, been <laughs> this body in thirteen hours, and not thought to check his car. Some horrendous, horrendous work by this hospital staff, by the way. No one thinks yeah. of coming running, boss. You... But if I heard a door going bang, 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 <laughs> I'd probably go and have a look. Even if, <laughs> yeah. it was just, even if it was just to shut the door. Yeah, that's got to, that noise has got to fuck you off after all, right? <laughs> also, the mental strength to look at yourself and just go wiggle your big toe and then start moving it. Yeah. The, the noises that that staff would have heard. What do you oh. think would have been worse, that or the Never Back Down versus Inception episode and some of the noises that came out of that? If you had both, <laughs> if you had that on a speaker, which would you be more alarmed by? <laughs> I don't know what the word is for someone having sex with someone that's in a coma. I keep wanting to refer to it as necrophilia, but she is still alive. Sleep rape? That, right? that, prob- that probably wins it by, as opposed is to it me, just me right? and Sean. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely right. I don't, I don't, that's I, I one think where you want people to go back and you're like, Jack Arthur coined the phrase. Sleep rate, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you, you're Come probably right. A but park near you. To, to answer, by the way, <laughs> me and Sean moving around the room, probably moving around our respective rooms, probably not as bad. <laughs> Depends if you have headphones in, because if it's on full volume, that can get you. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think it does depend if you've got headphones in. Well, we're just talking about noise here. I mean, there was two of you making a noise compared to just one door in this case. Mm, yeah, I don't, talk, don't know about that. In terms of Jeopardy, Jack, um, did you think there was more Jeopardy for her or for uh, Rob McCall in The Equaliser? Um, that's a very good question. I think there's more Jeopardy for her for what she's been through. Whereas Rob McCall... Again, he just put he stole it off pretty well. He did get shot multiple times though. So if he gave the bride a nail gun and just take an hour off its runtime, <laughs> yeah. what, what else have we got? Um, they got Tarant- the DIY. This would yeah. Been- Tarantino surpasses expectations with this stylish and exciting love letter to other classic genres while leaving his own bloody mark on them. A gleefully ultra-violent homage to the B-movie martial arts films of the 1970s, 
It's pure bloody pulp fiction packed into a tightly wound feature. Here was a filmmaker who could easily have stayed in his comfort zone of smart-alecky banter between dudes, but instead chose to pare down his dialogue and flex in his visual storytelling muscles. I get what they're saying there, but it does still very much feel like a Tarantino film. Yeah, I think it's a soundtrack as well. It's just so... You can just tell that so much thought's gone into it. And a lot of the songs don't match what's going on, but that makes no, it he, better. So there's a bit of trivia further down the line where essentially he just went through all of his favourite movie soundtracks and just picked out the best songs that he liked from them and just made them fit. Um, there's nothing like a good old revenge heist complete with a hit list to make this film one of Tarantino's best. Tarantino instead relies on delirious, high-octane, imaginative camera work, an anime sequence, and an exhilarating musical soundtrack to punch up a story that loses its its intoxicating magnetism well before the final credits roll. We'll get into the um, pacing of it uh, after this. Um, Even more gory and adolescent than its models, which explains both the fun and the unpleasantness of this globe-trotting romp. They love using the word romp in these uh, critics' reviews. Um, A movie that without Uma would have ultimately been a stylistic masterpiece, but never the stirring epic that it's shaping up to be. She does make... Sorry. No, I was just saying she does make the film, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So they they came up with the idea while uh, doing Pulp Fiction. Why it says uh, at the start by uh, Q and uh, you at the start because that's where they just kind of came up with the concept of it and then went from there. A gymnastic ballet of violence and a veritable orgy in blood. Quentin Tarantino makes terrible movies really, really well. (laughs) I don't think that's too unfair, but then I think we've all been partial to enjoying a terrible movie and the charm that you get with some of them. Three of his films are like in like my top fifteen films. To be fair, so I don't think I don't think his films are terrible at all. Well, terrible done very well. Still terrible. It's like, like not really needed to be qualified, but yeah, this Django <laughs> and Reservoir Dogs would be in like my top fifteen films. Yeah, they are brilliant. I do think that Kill Bill was made by anyone else but Tarantino. I think it does. It doesn't have the same impact. No, you do. Need it probably to. get it probably gets accused of being a rip-off merchant more than paying homage to a lot of it, which is yeah. what you see. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, but he, I, I think the way he's fooled people into this is fucking brilliant. Because if you ask him, he's like, "Yeah, I've taken this from taken this from this person, this from that person." He's very honest about it. It's yeah, a yeah. Documentary sure. on Amazon um, about him, and he's like, "Yeah," like when he's talking about the films, they give sort of a transcript of it. He's very honest and about it. But, well, there was one I didn't take so down. Yeah, and it essentially says, like, it doesn't feel like it's um, kind of like copying someone else's homework. It just feels like someone who really drawn inspiration from all the things he's seen and is just making a film with the things he loves, which is what we want to see at the end of the day. We don't need it to be pretentious. If it's something that he thinks is cool and in turn thinks we'll think is cool, go ahead, but you don't need to gatekeep it just because it was in some... 1970s kung fu flick back then you share share the love no it's true it's like um when we spoke to the i can i can't pronounce his surname but when we spoke to chad the guy uh, thank you the guy directed john wick he was like yeah the first one was the everything the first one was taken from the guys who made the matrix 
can't remember the exact quote, but they're not. The first one was take was taken from films we love. The second one was things taken from directors we love, and then the third one we just did whatever. He actually said during that interview, he said um, he's been ripping off the Matrix for his entire career. So <laughs> he's some some boy, by the way. That was a class yeah. interview. Right. Uh, despite the for some outrageous amount of violence, Tarantino manages to stage these fight scenes with panache, opting for a tongue-in-cheek tone that elicits more chuckles than gasps of Hello? What? Hello? What are you doing? Can't hear you. It's went quiet. We can hear you. (laughs) (laughs) It just stopped. I couldn't hear anything. You just kind of stopped halfway through your call. Let us us carry on, Robert. It's not like you're beating at the door. We can hear you. (laughs) <laughs> Ruined it. Just about to talk about panache. And here you are. <laughs> Hello? Do you not want me to raise it when I can't hear you? Yes, quietly. Quentin Tarantino, Uma Thurman and Lucy Liu take us to the edge of taste, over the cliffs of gore and right into pop culture sublime. And finally, Kill Bill is an entirely problematic film. On one hand, it's very difficult to recommend. But on the other hand, I could never warn people away from it. Again, Kill Bill falls into that category of you have to see it. It has to be watched. And if someone says to you that they haven't seen Kill Bill, your first response is, right, let's watch it now. Was that not just a weird way of them saying, like, it was all right, but with about 50 more words? (laughs) Yeah. Difficult to recommend, but would never warn people. It's all right. The thing is, if you're, like, with... I don't know, like a parent or something like that. You say, oh, you should go and watch Kill Bill, this paedophile assassin chops people's arms off. What a paedophile um, killing assassin, sorry. Um, but that is quite a strong storyline as it is. You're not going to be recommending that to, like, the mum at the school gates or something when you're picking up kids or something like that. This is how Monsanto went about their business before smartphones. Yeah. I've the trivia. I forgot Ooh. what conversations with people are actually like, because everything is so planned now <laughs> with lockdowns. Bumping into someone is just not a thing anymore. Probably for the best <laughs> in yeah. these cases. On the trivia then, so as always, cut me off whenever. Quentin Tarantino originally intended to cast a Japanese actress to play O-Red Ishii, but before casting began, he saw Lucy Liu's work in Shanghai Noon and immediately changed O-Ren into a Chinese-Japanese-American so that she could play the part. She does do it very well also. Yeah, she does. Jack Nicholson, Kurt Russell, Mickey Rourke and Burt Reynolds all passed on playing Bill. Yes. Jack Nicholson and Mickey Rourke seem to just get offered like every (laughs) role of a bloke that's supposed to be over 40. (laughs) Yeah. Um, When Shiaki Kuriyama was shooting the scene where she flings her ball and chain, she accidentally hit Quentin Tarantino in the head as he stood by the camera. Brilliant. Suffering for his art. At the beginning of the fight scene between O-Ren and the bride, uh, she says in Japanese, I hope you saved your energy. If you haven't, you may not last five minutes. From the time she steps forward, it's exactly four minutes and 59 seconds before the fatal blow of the duel. Get up. <clears throat> falling foul of copy that I had not having subtitles and why Japanese wasn't as strong as it needed to be to watch that film. <laughs> luckily, I've seen, seen it before. Luckily, I've seen it so many times before I know what's being said. Uh, 
The bride's yellow outfit was inspired by the outfit worn by Bruce Lee in his final film, Game of Death. The shot where the bride splits a baseball in two with a samurai sword was actually done for real on the set. It was done by Zoe Bell, Uma Thurman's stunt double. Oh. Who is in genuinely like every Tarant- almost every Tarantino film. <laughs> Just like an Aussie woman. She's ended up... Uh, is, is it... Da, 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 da. I can't remember the name. The one about the killer car with Kurt Russell in it. Um, Death, Death, Proof. Death Proof. Is it Death Proof? Yeah. yeah. She, um, she went on to help with his casting because he said that she had a good eye for that kind of thing. So she uh, helps with the casting there. Oh, pretty cool. Sean, what are you doing? What about nothing? Yeah, you are. I can just see emojis popping up on my screen because you're peppering <laughs> them with shocked faces and heart faces. I don't know what you're doing today. Um. Quentin Tarantino owns the Pussy Wagon and drove it as his everyday vehicle to promote the release of Kill Bill Volume 2. He licensed use of it for Missy Elliott's music video, I'm Really Hot, and it also appears in the video for Telephone by Lady Gaga and Beyonce. Wow. Um, The black and white photography in the Crazy 88 fight scene is known as a homage to the 70s and 80s US television airings of Kung Fu movies. Basically, they go with the black and white as well as sometimes black and red because it concealed the shedding of blood from the TV sensors who are particularly sensitive. Um, originally, there was going to be no black and white uh, photographic effects on the scene. It was just going to be all standard. Um, but the sensors did come in again, much like they did back in the day, and demanded measures be taken to tone the scene down. So Tarantino then kind of used it as an old trick to <laughs> nod to the old uh, style and to get it past the censors and into the cinemas. Mm-hmm. I think it's very rare that you can find it, but there is a uh, Japanese version of the movie where there's no black and white there. And so you do see all the blood spurting. Uh, Chris Allen Nelson, who worked on the special effects said in an interview that over 450 gallons of blood were used across the two films. I do, I do like how cartoony it is with all of the blood, like, the <laughs> like on GTA, to shoot someone in the head and the head disappears, you found some blood. A fountain, isn't it? Or when you put your finger under a tap and it all just comes flying out. That's what it's like <laughs> each time. Quentin Tarantino had to delay the start of the production because Uma Thurman was pregnant, so that pushed things back a bit. £60,000 of the movie's budget was spent on swords and sword accessories. So they went all in there. That's a great way to spend that amount of money. Um, As Tarantino was leaving Japan after the initial location scouting and securing the studios, he heard the all-girl band, the 5678s, playing over the store speakers. He was so intrigued by the music that he went to go and ask the person behind the telly who the band was. And then when they told him, he didn't have enough time to go to a music shop to get their CD. So he actually had to beg the person in the shop to sell him their copy because he'd just kind of fallen in love with it that much. By the time he landed, he'd contacted them, got them signed on to uh, do the film and play all the different songs during the uh, showdown at the House of the Blue Leaves scene where they do all of the uh, kind of early 60s surfer songs. So just a chance encounter of him hearing it over a shop tannoy. According to Uma Thurman, Tarantino had to watch three movies in preparation for this film. John Woo's The Killer from 1989, Coffee, 1973, 
and uh, Sergio Leone's A Fistful of Dollars, 1960. Tarantino setting her some homework. I can see how those influenced it as well. That's brilliant. Uh, the church scene was shot in the Mojave Desert outside of Lancaster, California. And if you keep an eye out during the scene, you'll see cameos by Samuel L. Jackson as the dead organ player and Bo Svensson as the preacher. Um, it's like how Redknapp, Nico Cranshaw and Peter Cranshaw. <laughs> <laughs> Dare I ask if Samuel L. Jackson's Rex Roy on there? That little cameo? Yeah. I wonder what guy's class was. Oh, what that award is? It's basically where you just cameos in films, so it, it worked a bit better with comedies where you had like Bob Barker in Happy Gilmore and then, yeah, Rex I... Ryan is in That's My Boy, which is uh, where it started. Is Sean still here? Yeah, still here. Rex, uh, Samuel L. Jackson here, Rex Ryan or not? Yeah, yeah, I think we're in. We're, we're running, we haven't had a Rex Ryan for, for a while. Oh, we haven't. No. Um, the, Tokyo, the Tokyo miniature sets were leftovers from the then most recent Godzilla film um, called Monsters All Out Attack. And so they just kept that set and then used it to do uh, Kill Bill. Um, this film and Kill Bill 2 are the only Tarantino films in which there's no use of the N-word. So... Tarantino took two films off and then went straight back to it. Ah, see, whenever I think of Tarantino, I think of that tweet, whereas Tarantino wants to do his own spin on Star Trek. And someone quote to beam me up, N-word. Oh, Ren saying, uh, now if any of you sons of bitches got anything else to say, now's the fucking time. That's uh, one of the most sampled quotes of any movie in there. Uh, and uh, rap music, so you'll see that in plenty. I think around the time it was first done in Odd Future's song All Right in 2010 has then kind of got a life of its own. Um, the House of the Blue Leaves fight sequence took eight weeks to film, the same amount of time it took for Tarantino to film Pulp Fiction. There's some serious choreography that's gone into that. There's just yeah. so much going on. Um... Uma Thurman and Vivica A. Fox had starred together previously in the critically panned DC movie Batman and Robin from 1997. <laughs> We're never too far away from Batman and Robin 1997. Look, the influence, the influence <laughs> of that film knows no bounds. <laughs> they do say that's why we get good superhero films now, because essentially every director learned what not to do from that film, they say. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, that, that is influence, no matter how you look. Yeah. That is influence. Give me a prediction, Jack, for the body count in this film. Oh, God. I mean, the crazy 88 all died, so I would say it's above 88. So I'm going to go with 94. Keenan, what are you thinking? 112. Let's go big. Sean? 102. Jack was closest. 95 was oh. your body count. <laughs> I was trying to I add did. on all of their targets onto 88. There you go. Um, so there we go. That That's that's the, the trivia gone through. Um, if we start with the categories and break the film down a bit more, rewatchability here, what do you think? It's it's just under two hours long. Sean, what do you think? Uh, I've 
you know, for, for films that are around two hours, I, I think you can. Again, it's one of those because it's quite weird and, and strange and has different kind of cut-off scenes. And, like, you could watch the battle scene again. So, yeah, I think it I think it fits into being rewatchable. Uh, and then also one of those, like, if it's on in the background, you can watch it as well. You don't have to focus too much. So, yeah, I'd say it's pretty rewatchable. Keenan, what do you think? Yeah, so it's fucking next. I'd watch it again now. I might watch the second one tonight, you know. Oh, I meant to ask you if you've not seen the second one yet. No, I think it's on for tonight. It's a bit longer, isn't it? It's about two hours, 15. Yeah, very so, good. So, uh, Daryl, Daryl Hammond's in it, uh, obviously, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and Jack, how, how, what, what do you think for rewatchability here? Love it. It's brilliant. I've watched it so many times, and I watched it again last night, and it's like the first time again, so definitely rewatchable. So I'd agree it's rewatchable. I do think uh, the first hour, I felt a lot more involved than the second hour. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of it is because there's the second film. So for me, it didn't ever really feel like like we were building to a, like, a big boss fight that you kind of get in these things because you're essentially you go through was it the first two on the list and then you're presented with Oren and then she's just kind of there and then it just builds up to, the, to this fight scene at the end so we didn't really get too close to Bill in this one and obviously they, they are fleshing out the backstory but it was all shot yeah, on thought... film as well pardon did you I don't know I was, wasn't I've heard a lot of the trivia so I sort of zoom in dropping in and out but it was all shot as one film as well, which is why yeah. it doesn't ever feel as old as the, conclu- the, the conclusion. Because when they before they chopped it up, there actually genuinely wasn't, was there? No, for sure. That's that's why um, I think that would be my only slight on the rewatchability. Like if I think I compared it to Lord of the Rings earlier, that you can't be mad at the end of the Fellowship because you know that you know what's coming. Third of the journey there, and so usually. I would say the more rewatchable, I'm, I'm saying this without having seen Kill Bill 2, is the one where you kind of get the payoff. But I am saying that prematurely because I've not seen the second, but that would be my thinking. Interested to know your thoughts on the second one, actually, once you've watched it tonight. Really, really intrigued. Because I think I do put... I'd need to rewatch the second one, but I think I might prefer the first one. Sean, can you mute yourself, please? That please tagged on at the end. <laughs> well, I can just see it uh, oh, all over all over the top of Keenan speaking there, and I can hear Sean. I don't know, it sounded like he's literally tapping on his mic. It's, an, it's yeah. another it's another bit for this Sean soundboard that we're putting together. <laughs> I think I wouldn't rule out him playing the drums on his mic. It sounds like he sounds like he was sending an email or something. Yeah, that also that he was doing that during the intro. Um so just a bit more respect, please, Sean. Like the respect we showed you the last two weeks. Um, if we go on to... If we start with best moments slash scenes today before we go on to the quotes. Um, Keenan, stick with you. Um, what do you think is is the best scene in this film? The crazy 88 fight. Simple as that, or do you have a... I've got a list. A tough but, one for you. Uh, that is a list of things I, I like in this film, but that's probably the winner. Um 
comforting when they fight in the house and then in the kitchen. I've said it before and we'll say it again when it comes up. Put a fight in the kitchen and I'm down for it. Okay. Um, yeah, um, unfortunately, she did actually decline an interview today, which was upsetting because they gave the uh, kind of initial one when they kind of circle in like, hey, look, I'm just speaking to the team now. And then the disappointment one that comes back after. Damn shame. The And I don't know if you... Go on, Sean. I was going to say, I don't know if we did discuss this, but did we come on a side of, of kitchen fight and bathroom fight and which one we preferred? For me, it's a kitchen fight. We didn't, but it's kitchen fight for me. It really is. I think it's bathroom. I, can't I can imagine Jack being you. a bathroom fight, man. He likes a bit of drowning in the sink. I do. You've remembered. Thank you. And, but you can that, also drown in the sink in the kitchen. So That is, that is true. But, <laughs> yeah, but you never see that, do you? No. no. I think kitchen sinks would take too long to fill. I think their bathroom sinks are usually shallower, aren't they? I think yeah. they're kind of fizzy. Yeah, better flow. And you don't have such a big tap to... That's true. The shower to strangle them with, you've got the shower curtain, slippy surfaces. It's just all great ingredients for a casserole of chaos. You think you're safe going in after you avoid the DIY store with Jack only to go into the bathroom <laughs> supplies and you realise <laughs> yeah, you're right back in his world. If you go into being Hugh Toilets, you fucking better watch out. Because <laughs> Jack's like the guy in Sex Drive. <laughs> um, we did Crouching Tiger, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Now, a lot of the thing with that is... Uh, a focus on the, on the martial arts fights here. And Tarantino is supposedly paying homage to that style of film. Now, we've got two senses where the realism is stretched. I find this one a, a, a lot easier to get on board with and a lot easier to kind of get involved with than what we had with Crouching Tiger in comparison. I get that. Let's jump, let's jump around and find through the air. <laughs> I just can't more. get past that jumps. <laughs> I, I, for killing me. It's, the jumps are fine. The bit I can't get past is that fucking fight in the forest. <laughs> Genuinely, I actually, I actually can't let that go every time I think about it. It just enrages me. That film is so good for so long. Like, it's so, like, I like, love the fight scenes for so long. And then you get to that and you just think you've put in so much time and effort just to piss it all away. <laughs> I think if I hadn't preached a bit more positivity uh, the week before, I would have asked Jack his, how he enjoyed Crouching Tiger so much more than Never Back Down. <laughs> that would have got to me, but I've been... Uh, it's, a, it's a bit more cult instead of cheese. I think that... A bit more cultured as well, certainly. Yeah. But having yeah. mentioned Never Back Down, uh, in the next fortnight, we will have a new interview dropping on the channel, hopefully the first of many. With Anthony Matos, who I spoke to about life as a stuntman, being recognised as a guy who uh, gets in a Hummer fight and never back down, working with The Rock, Michael Bay. Tune in for that if uh, you like the film, you like any of those films, or maybe you want to be a stuntman. So uh, that's our little mid-roll advert. Back to Kill Bill. What do you think with how it starts off, straight in like that, Strong opening. That fucking Nancy Sinatra song has been stuck in my head <laughs> all day. Bang, bang. Like, this actually, I've been singing it at work all day without fail. Like, it's, it's, just... um, it's the song in for that 
Sin City as well, isn't it? Have you seen that? Yeah, Keenan like loves Sin City. City. I do yeah. like Sin City. Good, fi- good film, also. Got the goat in there as well. Was close. Was close to being the wild card pick shoot. I have to admit, was considered. Jessica Alba, the goat. Yeah, fair. It's, got, it's a great cast, actually. It is, and for this, I mean, my my favourite scene is the one you referenced, Keenan. And it is the fight in the kitchen. Mm, I get that. Everything about it, I thought the dialogue in there was great. The little break they have with the daughter there, and for a minute, I was slightly put off by the okay, the daughter shows up and now they're going to kind of stand in the kitchen like they're friends and discuss this over a cup of tea, which briefly looked like the way it was going. Obviously doesn't quite play out that way and instead she she is just trying to be a bit more tactful and not slaughter her in front of her daughter, which she does end up doing anyway. Well, yeah, in, fa- in fairness, she the bride is, is fine about it. If, if you want, don't throw, or from what you see, you don't know whether she's just going to like kill her anyway, but a gunshot, which she, I don't know how you miss him. I've never <laughs> shot a gun, but it's like she's like it's like it's like worse than the stormtroopers. She's like four foot away, stationary. <laughs> surely you just surely it's just point and click at that, that, that at that point in time. I mean, clearly contended for the most creative use of weaponry as well because the firing the gun through a cereal box is. I, I think I prefer that to the hand puppet that we had last week. The hand puppet's class. Just weirdly, cereal reference more than once in this film. Obviously, the box. And then Lucy Liu randomly just blurts out silly rabbit tricks are for kids. Yeah, um, yeah that, that scene, the little dialogue they have where she says, like, where do you want to die? And the whole thing of wearing black, we, we can have a dark fight. Like, this is just standard vocabulary in the assassin world. <laughs> and I'd be remiss to not mention that we spoke about Keenan. Um, when she first goes across to Japan and has the discussion in the uh, little restaurant with, um, I forgot his name. Uh, Itari Hanzo. Itari, there we go. So, also, that one back of and my... forth with him was quality. It's one of my other favourite scenes, but I did say to Byron last night, it's like the, the guy, he, I, caught, I actually just said the Japanese guy is horrific, which out of context sounds fucking terrible, but it's very much, I don't think if you were making this film now, I don't think you'd be able to put in such an like hammed up Japanese character, I think there would be a problem with it somewhere. Well, it was there was the, the guy wasn't there. And it's bad that I can't remember his name. But there was the Indian actor that was offered the role in Deadpool wasn't there, and he said that he didn't want to do it because he didn't want to ham up and essentially play a stereotype. Like if he didn't yeah. have to do an accent, it would be sound. Yeah, I get that. This guy didn't have the same issue. He, he was more than happy to get on board. <laughs> and it is, it is a very hammed up accent. I mean, it is like it is hilarious when he's saying, "I always get why am I always getting the sake for thirty years? I get the sake, you make the fish. If we were in the army, I'd be the general now." And so stuff and stuff like that. It is a very good scene. Um, I also like the fact that you slowly twig, you slowly twig that she she's like, "Oh, I don't really speak Japanese," and you slowly, slowly obviously twig onto the fact that they're arguing and she's pissing herself that. She she knows full well what they're saying. Yeah, even just the little things, and I agree with what you said there with the stereotype, but playing up to the stereotype where he's saying, like, do you know any Japanese? And she's essentially reeling off the few Japanese words that all of us would have heard yeah. <laughs> during during our lifetime, even down to, like, the pronunciation and things. And she's looking, like, proper impressed with herself doing it, which is obviously part of that. 
wide-eyed tourist look. Yeah, it, it is brilliant, particularly when, as we've re- referenced, the kind of language that uh, Tarantino does like to use. He probably could have made this a lot worse, this scene. And I'm not giving him too much of a pat on the back for <laughs> not going the entirely racist angle, but it does feel somewhat toned down by his standards. So there is, this isn't a justification because people will think about Tarantino as what they think. I think he's, I think he's fucking great. Never say say otherwise. But they took like, do you know the homage, the homage and stuff. Yeah, the whole thing about the black exploitation is basically those films are what he grew up watching. His mum obviously is white as they as white as white as they come. But his mum went out for, with a black guy for a really long time, and when she was out work, when she was working and stuff, this he would go to the cinema and like it would be with this with the black guy his mum would be, and they would just go and watch like black exploitation films and stuff in the seventies because that's what his yeah. mum boyfriend was into. So we grew up watching them, and you can see like whether there's a blurred line between someone who is incredibly white making films of that nature is, I suppose, is down to the individual. But that, that's where it comes from. It's very much the same with because if you watch some old, yeah, I, I don't think he's a massive, massive racist. I was, no. I think he's probably a bit too comfortable saying and doing some things. That yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't have the nerve to order bottles. But it's the same with the like with with this with the Asian stereotypes and stuff. If you watch some old, like if you have haven't and you watch some old sort of seventies, seventies, eighties martial arts films, be it ones made in Asia, ones made in America, it is very much that type of character so now he portrays Bruce Lee in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood do you know no I've never seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood although uh, as, as I'm sure we could speak about this for quite some time we can save this conversation because uh, it is looking like we're going to have Django in the next bracket and it's probably a conversation fair enough <laughs> more to have there it probably suits that a little bit better um, what did you think because there are some things that are intentionally cheesy. So the close-up shots of kind of crossing the names off the checklist and things like that, and even just some of the shots, like, are ones that you would see more in, like, a sitcom or something like that, like, like a completely unnecessary shot with a close-up of a key going in the door and things like that. All these things, it doesn't like, it's split up into parts, isn't it? And it does look like he does take a different kind of theme and a way to go about each one, and it kind of hams up more as it goes through. Because mm. I guess it's supposed to be like that. It's, they're playing into the fact that it's like a rural neighbourhood in the first one. You've got the school bus coming past, and you've just got these two people scrapping with knives in the middle of the house on top of that. Um, the scene in the hospital... That you referenced with uh, Grim, the head banging did catch me off guard. <laughs> did catch me off guard. That did. I knew it was coming, and I was like, I mean, "Fucking! I actually hate this part of the film. It's fucking Grim." It's such a useful weapon. I'm, I'm actually quite surprised we don't see it in more films. Vinnie Jones loves it. Loves loves slamming someone's head <laughs> in a door. Yeah, car doors. Awesome. Yeah. And um, you've seen haven't you? At Brawl and Cell Block Ninety Nine, where. Like yeah. the door frame is a weapon there. <laughs> what a film. Um, best quotes if we go on to that. Um, and I referenced the Lucy Lou scene there with uh, her screaming 
and then bought it, cut it off, do it. We've got Heather's, she's asking them not to feel afraid to give her any constructive feedback and to voice their opinions. Do you find me sadistic, you know? I bet I could fry an egg on your head right now. I enjoyed a, that far too, far too much. It's a very sadistic thing to say. <laughs> and then he tries, so yeah, maybe with some of these other jokers, but no, not you. I mean, you've just slaughtered her husband-to-be, beat fuck out of her, and now you're about to shoot her in the head. I'm not sure what, what, what else you want to say about sadism. I think probably my favourite was that it was not my intention to do this in front of you for that, I'm sorry. But you can take my word for it, your mother had it coming. When you Ruthless. grow up, if you still feel raw about it, I'll be waiting. Ruthless chap. Yeah. Of all the of all the murders we've seen in the bracket, that's actually some of the best chat. Looking a four year old <laughs> dead, looking a four year old dead <laughs> in the eye after you've just launched a knife into their mum, going, she deserved it. Like it's actually Probably unreal. The beauty of having her in the scene is because traditionally. If you see a kid in a scene like that, it probably does mean the violence is going to be taken elsewhere. But in this case, no holds barred. I guess when you when you cross that line of shooting someone whilst pregnant after beating her up on a wedding day, I guess morals kind of go out the picture a little bit. Thinking, you know what, I don't care. She's dying one way or another. I'm glad she kind of does the the attempted apology and then just says I mean you can apologise but that really doesn't make us even just because you've just because you've said you're sorry which she's completely fair in that instance yeah get even crushed get even I'd have to I'd have to walk upstairs to you to Nikki's room kill her kill you wait for your good husband to come home kill him then Dr. we might Bell. be even yeah she also was talking even Stephen there hmm your guy, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Not my boy, though. Don't put me in there. You could bring the pod into uh, disrepute the way he's doing at the moment. Why? What's he up to? Oh, bad stuff. He's imprisoning yeah. uh, oh. his missus, riding around with his shotgun and sleeping with his shotgun. Oh, okay. I actually he, 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 he went around um, allegedly. Not that Allegedly. any worse than the stories I was telling last week about uh, Simmons. But yeah, he, he was going around uh, shooting stray dogs, saying it was helping him get a character for his next film. Yeah, there was that. Maybe and then he, he was... Made, you go, mate. He got a STD, apparently, and then just knowingly passed it on to his new bird and was keeping a hostage in the house and uh, sexually assaulting her and all sorts. Is he not in jail? No. Um, she's come to London and uh, she's filed the case over here. And then uh, his other ex has come out and kind of said, yeah, this kind of thing happened to me as well. So to, just to be clear, uh, Charlotte Buff is not my boy. I would like to say that for the record. <laughs> <laughs> That's all these years, and you're casting him away like that. Yeah. Lot no loyalty. <laughs> they say there's no smoke without fire, and in, in this case... Fucking hell, mate. People were after him about fire. 10 years. People were, <laughs> yeah. people were after him about 10 years ago, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not to, ce- not to celebrate him if that's what he's about, but he ran some sort of PR campaign, because he went from being like every time he's, he's fucking... Like leave, leave him well alone. I'm coming back doing lawless, doing a couple of other bits. And I'm like, yeah, I tell you what, well, he's, 
his PR campaign was essentially just look how mental I am. And people are like, you know what? He's a pretty cool guy. He films <laughs> yeah. himself in the cinema watching films. I thought I mm. thought like that. And that he came was... <laughs> came back, did Lawless, did did a couple of the more serious. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a he's a great actor. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, I'm just saying he was cast away for a while, and then he managed to run a campaign and come back. Maybe the fact that he's a great actor is the reason why we like it, when actually he's pretty evil. It's just a piece of shit. Yeah. Holes is still his best work, though, isn't it? Holes, yeah, you are, you are correct, Sean. Even so Stevens. Holes is his best work. That's unreal. If we do another bracket by, by I'm going to try and find a way to, to shoehorn Holes in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really get sure it in this, what that would get it in this get maybe. it in the same one with uh, Crank Two and Batman and Robin. Incorrect, because I'm never watching Crank Two. <laughs> maybe, maybe if we, uh, if we did a we prison, just pick oh, eight films that prison, we know yeah. no one else would like to watch. I could do that. <laughs> For the record, my eight films would just be targeted at you, Byron, because an hour and a half ago, what's an three twelve? That's 12 hours of your life that I know you're going to hate, so that gives well, me great joy. The thing is, the films that I know you'd hate more are probably longer, so... Yeah, as you make a good point. As I was talking that out, I actually realised you'll probably beat me there. I will, ha- I will hate far more indiscriminately and with far more passion than you will. We'll see how you deal with the next bracket, but we won't reveal that yet. We haven't even revealed the world card yet, all gone through round two, three, and so on. Mm-hmm. Any more quotes anyone would like to put out there before we can... Uh, you you might not be able to fight like a samurai, but you can at least die like one. Nice, nice. Good. She had good trash talk, she did. Mm. You didn't think it was going to be that easy, did you? Nice and simple, but enjoyed that. For a second there, I hoped it. I, ho- I was hoping it would be. Her sending that kid out saying, this is why you don't fuck with the Yakuza. <laughs> oh. Any more no. before we uh, continue? No, not really, mate. All right. If I could politely ask you to uh, mute for a second, Keenan, because we've got a Jack Russell in here. Okay. If we go on to... We'll go on to speed, because the others will discuss alongside the uh, breakdown. So, a young police officer must prevent a bomb exploding aboard a city bus by keeping its speed above 50 miles an hour. Great synopsis, ridiculous concept, but also one that would convince me to watch it just by seeing that synopsis. Yeah, it's, um, so it's just so good. The opening scene go it has to go down as one of the best opening scenes ever. I humbly disagree because after the opening scene, I was worried. I thought, I don't think I'm going to like this. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. How? I is like it, the opening scene. But it was, point, it's got Jeff Daniels and quarterback Keanu quack, cracking wise saving, I saving people. I didn't think it felt too believable at the start. And I know my big thing with this is going to be that it shouldn't be believable. But I don't know. It it just wasn't, it just wasn't doing it for me. But it very quickly turned around, so... I won't complain there. I'm just not sure we needed that to kind of show the characters are, but I do have the trivia to say why it's in there. Um, we'll, we'll come back to that. So, yeah. critics' reviews. 
one of the rare, seemingly mindless actioners that manages to mix enjoyable performances, a slick story, and white-knuckle thrills into a highly influential feature. Speed still remains a taut, thrilling action masterpiece, one that is expertly edited, fantastically written, and exhilarating from start to finish. The chemistry between Bullock and Reeves is great. More importantly, however, Speed knows and embraces his own silliness without sacrificing the stakes. I think that's why I like it so much, because the concept is quite silly, but the actual film brings it down to earth. I feel that it's not... It's believably the, silly. Exactly that. It's like, not it, the crouching the, tiger jumps. It, exactly. It's kind of like, well, it's far-fetched, but it could happen. But, again, that's why it's so brilliant, I feel. That's essentially like every good action film, to be fair, because, I mean... If every if, if every well trained sniper kind of hit every shot, if every bad guy didn't give you a little bit of trash talk to give you time to escape before he pulled the trigger, yeah, we wouldn't really have the action films that we have today. So that is that little bit of silliness in there. I think it's testament to how good this film is for me that I accept that they made a fifty foot jump on that freeway in the bus. <laughs> We're going to get onto that because I love that. Yeah, I just uh, and. Yeah, we'll come on to that then. Um, you wonder how it can maintain its tension for nearly two hours. But as if, as if some demonic force is manipulating the action from afar, the movie runs through so many false endings that you may need a defibrillator to make it to the end. That's really interesting because it, it's not the shortest film in the world, but it feels almost short. Weirdly. Yeah. Like... It feels like 90 minutes, hour 40, maybe. Yeah. Gabon has assembled it with, mast- with, with masterly precision and speed looks terrific. There are breathtaking aerial shots, mind-boggling stunts, and camera positioning that you just don't expect. It's a rocketing eyeful. Speed kills. It kills wit, character, charm, and empathy. But it does go fast. <laughs> Since that is its sole reason for existence, one must say it achieves its narrow goal brilliantly. He's disliked this film on purpose to make sure that he can use that headline of speaking. <laughs> I could say it killed it in the box office, which probably would have been something they would have said back then in what, 94. Okay. So it was wicked. It's easy to poke fun at some of the more far-fetched scenes and at times cheesy dialogue, but this is still one hell of an action movie. There certainly is some cheesy dialogue. There is, but like he says in all action movies, I think as a bracket, it's not quite need your brain at the door film. It's like somewhere in the middle. At, again, at the end, when Keanu repeats the uh, relationship under intense circumstances and she says, I guess we'll have to base it on sex. I was cringing <laughs> so, so much. <laughs> Don't expect it to come from her as well. It's that, it's that photo of Josie when he takes off the headphones. <laughs> it's one of those. Um, <laughs> a riotously enjoyable locomotive of action, Speed is driven by a premise of such crystalline purity that its ridiculousness becomes part of the fun. Believe it or not, the most exciting movie of the year takes place mainly in an elevator, on a city bus, and on a train car. Sandra Bullock steals the movie. You can actually see her working her charms on Keanu during certain scenes, 
He even cracks a smile from time to time. Not only is this flick a taut and wonderfully crafted thriller, but Speed has some of the highest rewatchability factor I've ever witnessed in an action flick. I agree with that. There's plenty of films I've sat and said, if that's on, I'm watching it. I actively search for this. <laughs> Rewatch it. And finally, audiences may have experienced similar stories before, but they are seldom done this well and with this level of I do have plenty of trivia to uh, back this up, so jump in whenever. Keanu Reeves breaking the glass on the bus door in the beginning of the movie was an accident. However, it was left in the final cut. It he adds to his own strength. It adds to the scene as well, like someone breaks the glass door. <laughs> not- uh, a Fox producer realised they might have a hit movie on their hands when he noticed that during test screenings, audience members would walk backwards when they needed to go to the bathroom so they would miss as little as possible. Wow. I like that being, yeah, we've cracked it. <laughs> this is this is the revealing factor. Sandra Bullock actually learned to drive a bus for the film, passing her test on her first attempt. Fair play. Well, she's got herself back real-wise, just in case. Passing your test on the first attempt isn't for everyone. <laughs> or the sixth, in some cases. Um, the scene in which Annie takes the chewing gum out of her mouth and pretends to put it on her seat in order to have an excuse to change seats and move away from the obnoxious Stevens was improvised. Nice. There was an instance where a schoolboy saved the lives of a school bus full of kids when the driver had a heart attack by climbing onto the driver's lap and jumping on the brake pedal, pulling the bus to the side of the road. When asked later why he did it, he told them that he'd seen that bus movie at halftime during an NFL game, there was a ceremony hailing the boy as a hero. Wow. Surprised they haven't made a film about that. Yeah. Probably a better film. Wow. <laughs> I said that as if... Uh, <laughs> I do actually like Speed as a film, but... Um, the bus jump the... scene was done twice, as the bus landed too smoothly the first time. The bridge was actually there, but arrayed digitally. Like they clarified that as if we did think they were making the 50-foot jump. <laughs> yeah. And the, the fact that it's not even a ramp, it's just like level. And then it's all of a sudden the bus just tilts upwards. <laughs> yeah. I was I was watching it when they say the thing about happening. And I didn't even comprehend at first that they would jump it because we hadn't really seen anything to show kind of the levels this film would go to just yet. That's kind of the point where they say, look, anything goes here. And so when he then just does say they're going to speed up, what does he say? Like there might be a ravine or something. But then I was, I was pumped up while he was hurtling towards that. When they had those little shots of the speedometer going up. Yeah. I, I was, I was getting hyped up watching that. It was probably the closest. If I saw that in the cinema, I might have been fist pumping. <laughs> and like, what I don't get is why do they just make it like 20 foot? Like, it's still difficult, but believable. There's no half measures in this film. That is true, yeah. All or nothing. Um, the film literally ma- ran out of money before it was completed, so when the film was first previewed for an audience, the subway scenes were animated storyboards. The audience loved them so much that the studio had to come up with the funds to shoot them properly. Uh, Jan de Bont insisted that Keanu Reeves get a sensible haircut as he would befit a hard-working cop. 20th Century Fox were horrified when they saw the buzz cut that he adopted for the film and threatened to postpone the film to allow his hair to grow back. 
we've seen the different stages of Keanu in this bracket because we got Point Break Keanu. We had the Matrix last week. We had the Matrix. Yeah. So last week we had the Matrix where he does go full bold head, and this we've kind of got the in between. So John Wick, he's got long hair. Exactly. Um, he needs to be Keanu. the MVP of the bracket, really, because the amount of Keanu films we've got in this. Same with, we've got a couple of them. Denzel's got a couple in here. Yes. Well, Keanu's got four, isn't he? We, uh, we, we do, uh, in the final episodes, do a little awards of the, uh, nice. of the brackets, so we'll get there. Keanu Reeves initially turned down the lead as he found Graham Yost's original script to be too much like Die Hard. He signed on after Jander Bond brought in Joss Whedon to rewrite it. Probably a fair call. I think I, it's, it's like Die Hard now, <laughs> let alone before I guess, the rewrite. I guess it's like a gold rush back then of shit, Die Hard format works. Yeah. So we create it. Because um, we as Boy Scout as well. Yeah. Rennie Harlan and Quentin Tarantino were offered the chance to direct. Fucking hell. Quentin gets older. this. I don't, know what's, <laughs> I don't know what's happening, but I'm watching... Our bus is doing a loop in the air. <laughs> yeah. Like, it'll cut. It'll have a great soundtrack. <laughs> the watch Jack was wearing, the Casio G-Shock DW5600C, had been discontinued when filming commenced, but due to the film's success... The watch was so popular that the company started making them again. And they got paid. <laughs> the script was pitched to Paramount Studios, which placed the movie in turnaround. They suggested to Graham Yost that his script, which called for the movie to end after everyone got off the bus, have too much bus in it, implying the audiences would not go for a movie in which a bus is just driving around for two hours. Yost <laughs> then added the subway scenes, and the modified script was presented to Fox, which agreed to film the movie. So they don't think audiences are going to put up with a bus, but get off the bus and onto the tube <laughs> and you've sold it. I guess it's um, like we've heard before where you can't have crazy on crazy. If you're going to have crazy, it needs to be on an everyday setting like a bus. Like an also, like, they don't tell you going in either way that they make it off the bus because that would kind of defeat the point of the whole thing being this bus can't stop. And the perils of it. So, I mean, I'm glad they they did kind of take it forward a bit, but I don't see how that would have worked against it. I don't think mm. I'd have liked the film any less if it had just stayed on the bus and you had an extra action scene on there. Ten buses were used in the making of the film. Each one had two steering wheels, one for Sandra Bullock and the other for the stunt driver, which more often than not was on the roof of the bus. <laughs> Yander Bont cast Keanu Reeves as Jack Traven after seeing him in Point Break. He felt the actor was vulnerable on the screen. He said he's not threatening to men because he's not that bulky and he looks great to women. Uh-huh. A special bus was used for the bus jump scene. Uh, the bus was modified so that it could reach a speed of 70 miles an hour. It was equipped with powerful shock absorbers. The driver's seat was moved back 15 feet so if something went wrong, he wouldn't be ejected from the bus. <laughs> uh, the seat itself was a suspension mechanism between the ceiling and the bus floor prevent the driver from suffering spinal compression on impact. See, I've got great visions of Mr. Bean where he's driving the bus with a mop through the window pressing against the accelerator. That's on an armchair on the roof. This is very much doing your own stunt by the fact that they did jump the bus. I mean, not over it. 
empty, empty uh, mess, but they still did do the jump with the bus. That's, that's impressive stuff. <laughs> the film was released one week before O.J. Simpson led L.A. police on a chase in his white Bronco after he was suspected of murder. After the Bronco chase, many audiences saw the film in theatres, noticed how closely scenes from the film resembled the real-life chase, including media coverage and aerial shots of the freeways. Maybe Speed inspired OJ. John McTiernan turned down the director's job. Eventually, it was decided that a newcomer should direct, and the producers picked Jan de Bont, who'd been in charge of cinematography for Die Hard and The Hunt for Red October, two movies directed by McTiernan. There you go, there's that diehard feel. Yeah. In early drafts of the script, the bus was supposed to circle around the parking lot of Dodger Stadium as opposed to LAX, but they couldn't get the rights to film there. The film was originally written with the intention that Jeff Bridges would play Jack and Ellen DeGeneres would play Annie. DeGeneres was considered because the role of Annie was going to be a comedic role in contrast with the serious role of Jack. Jesus. Jeff Daniels and Ellen DeGeneres, that would be a truly horrific film. (laughs) <laughs> probably just put Jim Carrey in a funky wig if they were going to do that you need to have some respect for Jeff Daniels I'm talking about Ellen DeGeneres oh you mentioned Jeff Daniels name in there as well though yeah because he was going to be playing the male role so I'm saying oh, he you said, you said Jeff and he Brid- can play the bird you said, you said Jeff Bridges yeah Jeff Daniels plays Harry yeah I did say Jeff Bridges sorry <laughs> got a bit carried away oh it's not too Jeff Bridges, okay. Ellen DeGeneres. Not okay. Maybe not. not. (laughs) Um, Jack Nicholson and Robert De Niro were considered for the role of Howard Payne. In the original scripts, the bomb was... Again. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Over 40, it's mental. Uh, In the original script, the bomb was triggered to go off when the bus went over 20 miles an hour. When, when the bus goes, uh, yeah. So they wanted it to be under 20 miles an hour the whole time. How could you call that speed? See, this reminds me, I don't know if you guys have watched Father Ted. But Father no, but Ted, I did see this in the trivia. Yeah, Father Ted does spook episodes where someone hijacks a milk float and if they go under five miles an hour, then it explodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. I do question, though, 50 miles an hour in LA traffic, like, Although I'm not from LA, I am. I know how notoriously bad LA traffic can be, and for a bus to travel at 50 miles an hour, I was trying to put it into perspective and thinking, can you imagine one of the stagecoach gold buses against Chelsea <laughs> travelling around Gloucester consistently at 50 miles an hour? People will be fucking dead straight away. But I think they, get- they said the first idea was that the bomb would go off if it went over 20 miles an hour. So they would want the bus just crawling around for the entire film, going <laughs> yeah. as slow as possible. Well, so when They're they... not going to to call it speed. They have to call it slow or something. And what, what was the decision-making as well? Like, why, why would they go off the freeway as well? Surely that's where you'd want to stay. Yeah, I'd, I don't know. Brooke Shields, Halle Berry, Madonna, Demi Moore, Gwyneth Paltrow, Michelle Pfeiffer and Sharon Stone were considered for the role of Annie Porter. Halle Berry does have an interview where she, where she says about why... Speed wouldn't have worked for her if she had taken the role. Where she says she it wouldn't have boosted her career like it did for Sandra Bullock, and she would have just been referred to as that black bus driver. So <laughs> wow, she said she doesn't regret not taking it. Jack, what do you think the body count is for this film? Um, 
So you've got the SWAT team with led by Harry. You've got... Uh, I'm going to go with... Eight. Keenan? Fourteen. Sean? Thirteen. He's tried to undercut you there, Keenan, but Keenan was actually spot on. Fourteen is uh, the kill count for this film. That's in. Nice. Nice. Scummy from Sean there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The subway train actually comes crashing out onto Hollywood Boulevard at the end. It was a bus just decked out to look like a subway train. Um, One of my other big gripes with this film, and you just referenced the SWAT team there, Jack, is he does have the little meltdown when he finds when he finds out that Harry's dead, as he should. He's all laughing and joking at the end, just because he's got those Sandra Bullock cheeks. <laughs> all of a sudden, he's. Like, I, I mean, think, Harry was all right, but I, come on. I think he's just happy to be alive, mate. I think, I think it's just the relief more than anything. Surely. I I, I think if you're gonna have a gripe, the biggest gripe with this film is that. Harry is walking with a cane and can barely walk for just before when he has that party and then he falls over when he's drunk because of his bad leg. Limps out the office and then he gets tacked up in all his tack gear and he's he's crawling ninja style through the window clearing houses, not limping a bit. This is how they discovered that um, 2014 Lester physio for the work he did on Harry in this. Yeah. <laughs> More freakish work. Horse presenters. Quick horse presenter before uh, before going out on tack gear. Alright, Keenan, I'll start with you. Rewatchability for this film, what do you think? Nah, not for me. You weren't sold, were you? I wasn't sold. It's 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 okay. I'd probably stretch so far as to say it's good. But I wasn't I I, I wasn't um I wasn't a bigger fan of this as you all were, apparently. Which shouldn't, sure. be, sh- well, you shouldn't be shocking. I was wondering then if you were about to say it was dog, but it's not quite that bad. No, I li- I liked it. I just don't think I'd watch it again. I did spend half the film just thinking, this is fucking, like, granted, some of the films I like are also ridiculous, but, like, this is just ridiculous in another way. <laughs> like, I just... Uh, it's, it's we really are saying this in the same week as... A woman surviving a headshot. Yes, I know. That's what I mean. Some of the films I like are ridiculous, but this is ridiculous. It's just, it's hard to put into words, which for a podcast is... Well, I get get what you're saying. Um, I don't think... uh, Well, yeah, I I guess it's similar to to keep My stance is probably similar to Keenan. I I like it, but I don't necessarily... I wouldn't be in a rush to to watch it again. Yeah, I'm Um, not sure if I'll watch it again. I do like the guy who's the villain, though. Howard Payne. I think he's he's, he's pretty good. I think this is... um, one of the first weeks that we've been on the same wavelength, Jack. It's uh, I think it's it something something to behold. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, that doesn't that you mean that in a positive way, right? Because I agree there are yeah. parts of it that are certainly something to behold. But yeah, I mean, just me, me and Jack, you for most of the weeks have had differing opinions of the film, so that's what I mean. It's not that I would assume one of us probably would have disliked it, but. As I said, I went into watching Speed with pretty low expectations, especially after having watched uh, Kill Bill. And I thought it was going to be a walkover week. And then I, I really did enjoy Speed. Probably 
the most surprised I've been by how much I enjoyed it since Point Break in uh, week three, I think it was. Mm. It's Keanu. Keanu is the underlying factor in all of it. Must be. Um, if we go on to the quotes and, the, and then the scenes, um, you've got some good little wisecracks in this, as Keanu is essentially in there for. And Sandra Bullock has uh, got some good little wisecracks in this as well. You like that one at the end, don't you, mate? When... Not, not that one. I mean, <laughs> did, did you have any luck with the bomb? Yeah, it did go off. Enjoyed that. Well, you're, Him pulling, you're not, uh, pulling over the guy in the car. My, my, one of my favourite ones is um, <laughs> when they're in the elevator to start with, and it's just after it free falls for the first time. The guy just turns to his mate and says, shit, man, what's, what button did you press? <laughs> yeah, that was good, yeah. <laughs> when... Uh, she says, you're a cop, right? I should probably tell you that I'm taking the bus because I have my driver's license revoked. He says, for what? And she says, speeding. This is like the 1994 equivalent of Craig Robinson turning to the camera and saying, it must be some kind of hot tub time machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when they definitely uh, when just squeeze the, that in. When the guy on the bus says, uh, you're not too bright, man, but you've got some big, round, hairy cojones. <laughs> Cheers, Ortiz. That's gross. <laughs> well, he oh, says yeah. you can't compliment people these days. <laughs> As, um, when he finds the bomb when he's on the phone, he's getting the guy in the jacket to relay it to Harry. And he's like, fuck me! Passenger goes, oh darn. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> me up. Uh, I, I actually hated, day off. I hated the whole speech, but when the guy's got the gun on the bus... And he's just giving it like, oh, yeah, whatever you've done, I'm not here for you, I don't care. <laughs> he says, I'm not a cop right now, we're just two cool guys. I actually can't put into words how much I hated that. Hey, look, Keanu is a cool guy. <laughs> yeah, it just, it, I don't know, it fucked me off, actually, like, like, quite a lot as I was watching it. I, at that point, I was like, fuck, this is going to be a slog, and this is, the rest of this is a slog, isn't it? If, if, if they ever make a live-action Johnny Bravo film, I wouldn't object to them putting a big blonde wig on Keanu. <laughs> and letting him and, and letting him do this. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure who else plays Johnny Bravo. I've got to be honest. St- uh, Sean William Scott. No, he's made he need to he need to hit that gym. Johnny yeah. Bravo. Johnny Bravo was right, an tank back in the day. Sean William Scott goes like, I'll see him in a movie and he's hench again, and then I'll see him afterwards like just on Twitter and he's just let himself go, and then he'll be in a movie again and all of a sudden he's hench. He's like. What the fuck's going on here? I've only seen on Jackass ones. He put on a bit of timber. I would imagine, if I'm honest, mate, that he, when someone's paying him $10 million, he, he finds a lot of motivation to get back in the gym suddenly. I, yeah, yeah, you probably when he's not being paid for it, does he really want that work? Uh, true. A bit like me, really. If someone pays him $10 million, I might get into shape. Mate, fuck you. I said this someone the whole can... time when Tyson Fury got props, and I said, if you give me $10 million for a fight, I'll get in shape as well. Confirmed. Christ me, I will. You can tell me whatever shape you want me to be in for 10 million. Um, exactly. Poor people are crazy. I'm eccentric. It's not only quite a good line in the film, but yeah. it, is actually, it is actually just a, almost a universal truth. Yeah. Um, I agree with his. Um, I hate talking to negotiators, Jack. They talk to you like they're your best friend and they don't even know you. Always thought if I was a bad guy, I wouldn't yeah. get tricked by one of these hostage negotiators. <laughs> I don't know how anyone does. And they're like, look, I'm on your side here. 
you're definitely not on my side here. Wear the police jacket for a start, pal. At the same time, I also don't understand how they these demands that people make, and they're like, "Yeah, I need a chopper." As though <laughs> like the police are ever going to let you get into that helicopter. It's always your standard demand: they need a car or they need a chopper. Well, at some point, mate, you've got to leave the building you're in, and as soon have as you, you do, someone's just taking your head off. Have you seen uh, Dog Day Afternoon? Dog Day Afternoon. No. Gina. No. Like 1974 or something, but yeah, good little one that is, and that's a similar thing where. He's got demands. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I want a million in unmarked. Who does he say? I want high denomination, not unmarked bills. I want 3.7 million. And he's like, yeah, just leave it. Leave it there. I mean, the way he actually gets the money was quite good. I didn't see that coming. I must have, must have met. Um, and then what it leads to. The train, the train fight's pretty good. Um, I also like any villain that's just about the money. I wish I had some higher purpose, but it's just, just about the money. That's a good quote. Yeah. Dog Day Afternoon, by the way, is about Pacino trying to get uh, hormone treatment for uh, his partner, which isn't something you were probably expecting. So if you want to go back and watch that. Hmm. Good film? Not bad. Okay. I do like Pacino, as, you're well, yeah. as you well know. Yeah. Um, the actual bomb on the bus, the pop quiz has a bomb on the bus, so on and so forth. I, think I actually quite like that. Gave me a strangely gave me Hannibal Lecter vibes. I don't know why. Maybe it was maybe it was the camera. Maybe it was the way it was shot. Yeah, I it was that. just Continue focused on his face. That. It it gave me just just reminded me of Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs. Uh, tell me again, Harry. Why do I take this job? Come on, thirty more years of this to get a tiny pension and a cheap gold watch. <laughs> a little bit of little bit of foreshadowing that gold watch. Yeah, her saying she's not available to drive tomorrow when he says. Uh, yeah, we'll try and play another game tomorrow. And his little, uh, as if he'd just dropped like the bar at a century where he says, uh, I'm smarter than you, Jack. And he says, yeah, well, I'm taller. Because <laughs> mm. um, as like another, as another after a kill, like a bit of ruthless trash talk, you think if, they, if yeah, excuse me, you think if you pick up the bus driver's teeth, they give you another medal? I agreed with um, Sandra Bullock where she's kind of upset that the woman has just exploded but saying that she also isn't doesn't feel too bad because she has still survived. So Yeah. Well, I mean, in that situation, it is a little bit self-preservation is key, isn't it? The amount of people in the cell, that woman in the lift that was hesitating and refusing to get out, they should have left her in there. Correct. She was, she was doing what I did. You are correct. Uh, and the I do bloke like on after, the bus that was taking an age. After they um, save him all, and him and Jeff Daniels are going, how was that for you, honey? Was it good? That cracked me up, I have to admit. <laughs> um, best scene. What are you thinking, Keenan? It's the fight on top of the train for, for me. What about you, Jack? Um, big fan of when he goes underneath the bus. Like they think Everyone thinks he's, being, they're leave, he's leaving them all. And they're all worrying. And then they just see him pull out in front and get onto this tray and lowered beneath the bus and then get back on the bus. I thought that was... I think for me, it's it's got to be the jump. I was loving that. <laughs> Although, when they're on the underground train and he says, I've got a plan, we're going to jump the tracks, then I was getting a bit, come on. Just because it's worked once, he's acting like it's his special move. <laughs> 
I actually think you don't need that that last bit. I mean, it it was cool, but I don't think it added much to it. If anything, for the people that had just about got over the jump over the bridge, they then perfectly have the thing come off the tracks and skid to a halt just outside of the station. So that I may have quite... left a sour taste for some people. I actually quite liked it. What the Again, the, the, the train the, the tube. The train jump. Yeah, I actually quite I actually liked it. From I didn't see it I didn't think it was gonna cut I didn't think it was coming or anything like that. And I actually the whole time when he's on there the the whole bit and then when it skids and slides and it or or caught wreaks havoc, I actually just probably probably a bit of the film I enjoyed the most. The whole thing with the airport we've seen it in films before, but I do quite enjoy the little uh, looped video to get away with whatever they're doing. Usually it's when you're going to rob a bank and they play the thing over and over again to show that things are fine. But worked well in this one. I don't think we needed a particularly complex way out, just a feasible way to trick this bad guy that seemingly had eyes everywhere. He did it well. Hmm. The little flicker of the bag as well to give it all away. It was, was yeah. quite nice. It was something subtle rather than it cutting out completely or whatever it was. It was only a little little thing. Yeah. What did you think was the best scene, Sean? Um, I do really, as Jack touched on earlier, I do actually really like the open scene. Um, possibly that. But then I was also thinking, like, I was, I was struggling to kind of break him into scenes in, in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously agree. it's all, all on the bus. So that was the only kind of distinct different scene I could really think of. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could say the jump as well. Um, but. Yeah, I'll probably go for the opening one. Him chasing down the bus was pretty cool to get on there. Although they had those uh, yeah. like water bollards everywhere and just everyone just crashed into them and did no damage to themselves any time. Um, oh, talking of a quote, actually, uh, I enjoy yep. when he says, uh, just before the blow kits that walk by, so, oh, you got insurance. So, yeah, fucking insurance. Why? And he's like, okay, she moves on. So whenever I, if someone's ever driving your car and says you've got insurance, you'd be raging because you know something yeah. bad's about to happen. Um, I, I know you touched on it in the quotes, Keenan, but it, it was refreshing to not need some deep, intricate reason for why someone was doing this and quite easily saying money because. I do think the more intricate you go in when you have a bad guy and their kind of rationale behind what they're doing, their motives, I think it can only detract the more detailed you go because the more detailed you go, you're going to pick a hole in something. Mm. Just saying for money, no matter whether you're going to rob a bank or not, there isn't a person in the world that doesn't say they'd want more money, so it's not too hard to fathom that, okay, maybe he is just doing this for more money. Yeah, it's uh, in the same like in like the actual sort of real life. I always respect um, like athletes and stuff when they come out and talk about like money and like yeah, it's for the money. I like people hate it and stuff. And I think yeah, fair play because I agree with you. No other yeah. in no other walk of life would like in film and stuff would you not be like oh, actually I don't want more money. Yeah. Um, like Ronnie O'Sullivan is the example I always give whenever I talk about it. when he came back when he retired from playing snooker and came back and they're like oh you said you were never going to play again. I can your your back exception. He was like, "Yeah, I, I want to keep my kids in a private school. I've got fees to pay." Fair play. All right, cool. Yeah, I think it's it's testament to the makers of this film 
that, at least by my perspective and the majority of people that have commented on the film, to make a film this kind of entertaining when a large portion of it is taking place on a bus is very impressive because other films that have been edited poorly, whether it's unnecessary dialogue that isn't really added to anything and kind of longing it out trying to do things they don't need to do. A film on a bus, we don't need too much backstory. We don't need too much fluffing up. Just straight down to business, which is what we've got. And as Jack said, it doesn't even feel as long as it is. So 50 miles an hour is probably about right as well. It doesn't feel too fast. And it also does feel treacherous enough. Yeah, that's true. If it was like 70 miles an hour, you've just got a bus just going mental. <laughs> yeah. If we get on to the judging then. So, Keenan, which did you prefer? Kill Bill. Jack, which did you prefer? It's like Sophie's choice today. I'm going to say, I've just off yesterday after rewatching them both loads of times and I have to go speed just from my enjoyment levels. Sean, which did you prefer? Kill Bill. And I preferred speed, which I didn't think I didn't see coming in. Keenan, which do you think is more rewatchable? Kill Bill. Sean. Speed. Jack? Speed. I agree. Keenan, what do you think is the best quote over the two films? Her talking to her talking to the daughter. Good chat. Uh, Sean? Uh, it's the samurai quote. Jack? Mine's in the elevator when he says, shit, which button did you press? Um, mine is uh, Kill Bill. Now, if any of you sons of bitches got anything to say, that was the fucking time. Nice. Didn't know Lucy Liu had that in her. Bill Murray reportedly hates her as an actress. It's just as a little <laughs> random one. <laughs> It's weird because Lucy Liu, my only involvement Lucy Liu as a kid would have been her head in Futurama when Fry goes out with her. She was in Charlie's Angels. No respect for Charlie's Angels. Wow. Thank you. Thank you I've never seen Charlie's Angels. Seriously, get on yeah. that. All right, I'll get on it. I've never seen it. It's not. It's, it, it's very average, but I used to really like it. <laughs> Sam Rockwell's in it, and he's fucking great. Damn, I'll get on it. What what Destiny's Child song was it? Was it Survivor that they did for that? That's just sure, another reason sure. to praise it. They did a song for it, I know that much. Drew, Drew Barrymore's boss in it, to be fair. Um, Sean, best moment slash scene? Uh, I've got Kill Bill. Which scene? And for the 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 88 fight. Uh, mine is also Kill Bill, and it's the uh, fight in the kitchen. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah, what we're talking about. It, it is the kitchen, yeah. Sorry. Keenan? Mine actually is the crazy 88 fight. And Jack? Same here, 88 fight. Although, we've referenced it, because when I meet myself, I have to admit I drift out a little bit, because I don't talk. Um, did we reference the cartoon? I know it's really dark, but it's... We haven't, no. Oh, okay, um, sorry. I mean, you call her a paedophile killing assassin. Yeah, no, that's true. That as close as it got as an actual thing to try that yeah I think so but he's he's, he's he is he is dark like as Jack says he yeah kills, he's, kills, he's kills the film, film which he acknowledges but um, but he is actually a, he is a really cool 
part of the film just yeah. to, sw- to switch up out of nowhere. I did. It goes on a bit longer than you think, and I did it does. for a second think, like, what is, what is going on here? <laughs> I'm not sure it tops the uh, claymation scene from Harold and Kumar Christmas, but close second. Jesus Christ. What? Just some of the some of the random stuff that comes out comes out of you. Does this I, one in Kill Bill have Godzilla smoking weed? Because Howard mm. and Kumar has that. <laughs> I think fair enough. I mean, I'm actually surprised as it's Tarantino and it's set in Japan that Godzilla didn't take appearance. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the set from it, as we said. Keenan, who is your MVP? The bride. Jack, who is your MVP? Yeah, it's the bride. Sean? The bride. I agree. Jack, who do you think is the most menacing villain? <sighs> I mean, coma rape is pretty bad from Buck. I still think... I've forgotten his name. I'm waiting for the butt. <laughs> um, Pain's pain in speed. I just think he is menacing because... He will blow. You see a lot more from him. You don't see too much. Of yeah, he blew a whole bus up. Whereas you kind of got on side with like Lucy Liu's character with the cartoon. You kind everyone's menacing in that film. Anyone has the ability to slice someone's face off. Whereas in this film, I think I think Payne takes it. Keenan. Yeah, I agree. Sean. Yeah, same. And the same for me too. Well, similar wavelengths today. Um. Keenan, best side character. So my two, there was I was quite split on this. It, as much as I spent, I said I, it was horrific and stuff. It was either going to be a Tory Hamza or Harry from Speed. And I give it to I edge it to Harry from Speed. It's Hamza for me. Fair, I'll give you that. It is a very close one. Sean, it's my boy Harry for me. Jack, yeah, I'm going Harry. I think. I feel that like Kill Bill's all about the bride and her quest. And I I feel that side characters come into it with more speed. They do. But by there's an unreal side character in Kill Bill too. I'll see if, if you think it's the same person that I do. Yeah. When you watch it later. Um, action per minute, Keenan. It's speed. Sean? Speed. Same here. Jack? Yep, I agree. Kill count on screen, we've done. Quite largely in the favour of Kill Bill. Most creative use of weaponry, Keenan? It's either the door or it's, it's the cereal box, I think. It's the cereal box for me. The, the shout out to Speed though for using that traffic light to take your man's head off. <laughs> um, but I do like, like that cereal box. That is what you call playing to the environment. Yeah, that is true. What Are about you, you Jack? Uh, Jack can go first. Sorry. I'm I'm torn between the door just because I love seeing a door being used as a weapon, or the traffic light in Speed. I think I'm going to give it to the door just because I love it. And Sean, sorry? I'm always tempted to give, uh, like, depends where we class it as actually how you use a weapon, but like the way she like kicks the tea. Uh, oh, I'll give you that, yeah. 
same with the kitchen. So when obviously kicks the tea to to then dodge and then obviously checks the knife. So yeah, e- either that or yeah, the gun in the cereal box. Yeah. The actual reason the traffic light doesn't win it for me is because it is a creative use of weapon. Uh, I suppose actually it's a contradiction from what I said last week, so ignore me. I was going to say you could see it coming, but at the same point, I gave it to the hand puppet last week and you knew full well that was fucking coming. <laughs> it's, it's uh, not, so I take that back. It's not when you play football at Bentham, like when you use the boards. That's what it's like. Yeah. You know it's coming. You're just waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Keenan, best soundtrack? Kill Bill. Jack? Kill Bill. Sean? Kill Bill. Sean, originality? Kill Bill. Keenan, I thought I struggled with this. I don't know if anyone asked it, but I genuinely really struggled with it. Well, I think, yeah, it's, it's a, a classic cool. action versus an amalgamation of homages. Yeah, I but like the actual like oh the bus followed by train. I I I, I suppose the train thing less so because you'd already had stuff like the taking a pedal one two three and and, and so on. I've been films on a train, but the bus the yeah. bus I think as a, as an idea and the bomb on. And set to like the speedometer, I still thought it was really original. Um, Kill Bill, less the concept, le- the concept less original. It's just the revenge film ultimately, but the way it's done, there's a lot of they call it homages, but with his own spin on it that do, do make it original. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's exactly, I'm exactly the same boat as you. So, what should you pick, Keenan? Just to yeah, yeah, sorry, I actually haven't said. Um, I think it's speed. Uh, Jack? I think it's speed too, because the concept, I've never seen a bomb, you have to go over a certain mile an hour to keep a bomb from going off, and then all of the things that you face. Like in most action films, you can think, oh, that's how they're going to overcome this, and he's going to do that. Whereas this, you just kind of ripping up the playbook a little bit, in the sense that, right, how do they fucking keep this bus going? It's usually how do they stop something. I, I do I thought they would have had at least one more time where they do actually encounter like a large amount of traffic. There was never like a huge blockade of traffic, which I thought was a bit. On a, on a side note, Joe, when they're coming off the the height or the, at the start when she's driving the bus, how fucking raging would you be if you were just sat at a red light and suddenly a wing there and fucking out your car? <laughs> yeah. Um, bigger impact. What do you reckon, Keith? Then Kill Bill. Because that a the I'm not going to do it, but the the Kill Bill music has been used in nine thousand yeah. different things. So is the um, oh, yeah, I didn't know a, that's where it started. Um, it's a Japanese. I cannot remember the Japanese guy, but the music they play with Oranichi when she's walking. That's yeah, been yeah, ninety thousand yeah. other th- films since, um, and the whole the yellow the Daryl. The Daryl Hannah bit's been parodied 9,000 times in The Bride in the Yellow Suit, which I know they nicked off Bruce Lee, but you would say the use of it's probably more since 2003. Uh, what do you think, Jack? Yeah, I've gone Kill Bill for the exact same reasons. Uh, Sean? Yeah, Kill Bill. I was actually, I was going to go speed, but uh, I'll take, uh, take your points. I think impact-wise, speed 2 really hampers it because of how bad how um just I don't know if you can say it without spoiling the film, but it's unlikely that I'm ever going to watch Speed Two. But how does Sandra Bullock end up on the boat and not Keanu? So like, is it, it ever referenced the fact that she's just like a random normal yeah. woman 
and then it's suddenly so she's... I was telling Byron about this. Keanu actually said no to the film. Yeah. Sandra Bullock actually says on the boat, oh, I can't believe this is happening to me again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I like that when it's self-aware. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I, I do like self-awareness, but that then if it was a good film and it was self-aware, uh, like Deadpool 2 and stuff like that, great. I, I'd, be, yeah. I'd be okay or less and uh, not as good. You can't really like do it. Deadpool awareness in like any other film, though. No, uh, 22 Jump Street does it. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, does it really well, actually. Actually, comedy, though, yeah. But how does she end up on the boat? Is she just there on a cruise and suddenly there's a terrorist that's overtaken it or is, there, is she there as... It was such a long time ago, I can't remember how she gets on the boat. It's cool, I'll Google it. But I was just wondering if um, if there was anything, because it just makes no sense to me. How fucking unlucky have you got to be in life? I think I'm going to watch it in the next week, so I'll, uh, I'll report back on the next episode. Okay, mate. Um, Keenan, which do you think is the better ending? Kill Bill. I, like, I really like the ending where she... Fucks Lucy, where she fucks Lucy Lou off. Um, Jack, what do you think? I'm going speed, and the only reason is because Kill Bill, I'm left wanting more. I'm left wanting the second volume. Sean? Kill Bill. And I, I'm, I'm actually with uh, I'm with speed, as much as uh, I find that line cringy. I, uh, I, I do, do prefer think... it being conclusive. I do think the ending, like, like I say, the ending's probably the, bit of the, the last... 10 15 is probably the bit I enjoyed most. So um, I do really like Kill Bill's end. And then finally, chemistry, Jack. Got to give it to Keanu and Sandra. Keenan? Yeah. It's like a match made in heaven. I agree too. And Sean? Yeah, speed. Tempted to give it to Keanu and Harry though, but. That is true. I just total that up. Alright, so it is. 7-6 in favour of Kill Bill. Oh, wow. Hooey. Which is lucky for Kill Bill because if it went to the tiebreaker, then it was going speeds way. So mm. Impact and Soundtrack pulled it out of the bag for uh, Kill Bill. Clement Tarantino knows what he's doing with a soundtrack, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, if I give you the wildcard picks now and then, Sean, do you want to do the points to consider with me and I assume these chaps will want to watch Liverpool Chelsea. I mean, I've got it on as it stands, so I'm okay to swing around. All right. Um, well, I'll do the wild card, and then if Jack wants to bounce, he's more than welcome. Um, yeah. Same. So, wild card. We will kick off with next week. Uh, the premise for those that don't know, I'll conduct a poll with uh, the others off uh, camera. Off, uh, off the record in the next week they'll each individually send me which they think is the weakest film progressing to round two so between us we will then decide which film is at risk the next two weeks will be wildcard weeks one film will go through from each round we'll then go to a public vote with to decide which wins the wildcard we'll do that on Twitter Instagram and all that business and then We'll do another poll with the winner of the wild card against the film that was at risk. Last bracket, we had Austin. No, Scary Movie was put at risk and then went up against the South Park movie and Scary Movie stayed in the bracket. So, good part. Did the wild good card. Part, but, so, 
the wild card kicking off next week. My pick, Logan, against Sean's pick, Minority Report. And that will be Keenan and Jack judging solely next week. So me and Sean won't have any inclusion in the judging there. So solely on those two. The week after that, we have Keenan's pick, Law Abiding Citizen, against Jack's pick, Phone Booth. Oh, what a film. I don't think I've seen a phone booth in genuinely about 15 years. Well, so that'll be myself and Sean judging that week. So there we go. So there's your wild cards. Um, Looking forward to next week to see uh, Logan again and Minority Report, which, uh, I mean, I've been looking forward to watching for about a week now since Sean told me it was going to be his pick there. So... (laughs) Yeah, looking forward, <laughs> looking forward to that. So those are there. If uh, anyone wants to stay for the final points, consider feel free. Oh, if anyone wants probably... to bounce, then, See yeah, you're two 0 down. By the way, yeah, got it on my phone. Nice try. <laughs> I mean, can't be any more criminal than the goal that was ruled out for Fulham. Let me tell you. West Brom. <laughs> that was did you see West Brom had um, the goal really ruled out in like the 95th minute? No, but this. Fulham players had the ball booted at his arm. It's literally by his side and they've still given a handball. Oh, I haven't seen any of that yet. The only, uh, game, only game I've watched tonight is Liverpool. It is mental. I can't believe they disallowed it. All right, but we, so take, we take it. Real star of the film. Kill Bill, I think, pretty obvious. Is anyone arguing that Sandra Bullock is the real star of... No, uh, she, is, she is for me. The other thing about speed is it's quite definitively before uh, Keanu like, learned to act. And I think this, and I he actually thought three four in speed. I would say. <laughs> right. I like genuinely. It's like, I love Keanu Reeves as well, so I feel bad digging him out. But like this, some of this is, it, it, oh fuck me, it's so badly overacted. It's not. It's not good. This was uh, the big break for Sandra Bullock, wasn't it? Mm. She credits this as being what kind of changed her. Uh, yeah, changed her life, I guess. Yeah. yeah, she's really, really good in it as well. I actually, there's not a film that I've seen Sandra Bullock in that I don't like her in, though, to be fair. He has done Point Break at, at this stage. I know. I mean, well, I, mean I referenced in the pod that Point Break was before he learned to act, I think. If not, I definitely thought it. So you don't think he's got the good acting in Bill and Ted? Oh, do you know, I've never seen that. I've seen like 10 minutes of it. Not and right. it's where they do that. Do it. Yeah, I just knew it wasn't going to be for me. <laughs> um, all right. Fan theories, um, maybe get into them in the next round because they kind of clash with the second film uh, for Kill Bill. Um, recasting one role. I'd like to see Affleck do the Keanu Reeves role. It's not that take, outrageous a recast. Out. It's not that outrageous a recast. I just think Affleck or Damon, one of them, that they bring the heat. Has Affleck got the charm? Yeah. When he gives you that little wry smile, you know. Damon's definitely got the charm. I'm, I'm, I'm swapping. I'm getting Nicholson as the villain. Yeah, I, sorry, again, I was sort of half paying attention. But, do you know, like when you say you go, we were saying he always gets offered yeah. the roles over 40, I think it's just because if you see a chance to put Jack Nicholson in your film, you're yeah. just going to take it, right? Yeah. Like it was like when they referenced De Niro as possibly doing it as well. 
uh, playing Howard Payne when we said it in the in the, the trivia. Yeah. If you if you got a chance, you take it, right? You just ask. Yeah, I wonder when they did uh, Dirty Grandpa if they are. I mean, I'm pretty sure De Niro's going to say no, but we'll ask anyway. And I think so. I, I think that's that's yeah. how that, that <laughs> had to go, right? Because yeah, might, I, yeah, I don't know. You just you you just have to ask. Because if you're making the film, I we'd like you to be in this. This I don't know. How, I obviously have never started in a film, so I don't know how these negotiations go. But surely it's if you were selling him dirty, like was it dirty grandpa, or bad grandpa. Dirty grandpa is um, the jackass. De Niro one. Bad okay. grandpa is the uh, jackass one with Johnny Knoxville. If I was selling that to De Niro, I this is what it is. This is what we're offering you. Do you want to see the full script? And then if he says no, you, you've literally, it's the cost, <laughs> cost of a phone call. Yeah. It's probably to his agent, not to him. So it's a cost. This is what we're offering him. This is the This is what we're thinking. If you think he might be interested, we'll send you a script. If, if the cast swapped, which film works best? I don't know if Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock just seems too nice to play the bride. Yeah, yeah that's probably true. I mean, I'd probably think that would do my film if I just saw her face, but obviously <laughs> she can't pull it off. Yeah, you're probably right, mate. I don't know what, but she just looks. Maybe it's because I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I don't know why. But yeah, I think Sandra no, Bullock would be too nice to to play their bride. I, but I do think Uma Thurman would work in, would would do a job in Speed. Yeah. Genuinely, yeah. I wouldn't. Probably. I wouldn't. Wouldn't, wouldn't recast. I don't know who's recast. I don't know who's playing the Keanu role there. Give it Michael Maston. I actually was feeling brave earlier and asked him for an interview. Not heard back yet. I think we've. This sounds really terrible, so I am sorry, but I think we've missed our opportunity. When he, uh, when he wasn't about much, seven or eight years ago, we might have had a chance. He doesn't but, have any social media either. So he doesn't clean his like or need the attention he never, but he, that, that was always something about him but it's uh, the hateful eight helped restart his career he gets very emotional in the, about it in the in the Tarantino documentary which if you haven't seen is on Prime and it's worth an hour yeah, I've seen that on time. Um, if you had to add Tom Cruise or The Rock to each movie which would it be do you think Tom Cruise does the Keanu role I'm not saying yeah. for the purpose of this question but do you do you think he would? He can pull it off. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he gets away with that. I'm taller than you, line, oh dear. No. Um, the Rock. I mean, I'd quite happily put the Rock in Kill Bill and just like Uma Thurman slash. Yeah, yeah. No disrespect to Dwayne. Chop him up. I think he's great, but I think just it's one of them where if you throw him in, maybe not the crazy, maybe in the crazy '88, and just he's. The one he's the one that he, she faces right right at the end and throwing another challenge before yeah. she fights old Renisha. For sure. So anyway, that wraps us up for this week. As I said, next week we have Logan, Minority Report, <laughs> Keenan, get your judging shoes on. Big week for you. Mm-hmm. I've never seen I've actually not seen either of them. Oh, how are nice. you? You're in for a treat. Mm. Um, so yeah thank you for I've listening not seen, uh, I've, I've not seen Logan actually is it true that I, I've mentioned that it's a, I've mentioned to four or five people that it's in a wildcard pick and everyone's told me I need to watch the black and white version Do you, are you telling me the same no 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 
I have no objection to watching the black and white version, but no. the color the color version I can watch for watch without paying for the black and white version. I've got to pay for. What watch the color version? <laughs> okay. Um, I think you have a lot of hipsters at your work. Uh, not hipsters, but certainly some. I would certainly say some hipsterish tendencies. Yeah. As I say, even the even the people cheap. that would usually kind of praise it being black and white, kind of said it for what it was, where it was just a cash grab to sell a couple more DVDs and sell it to streaming services again. Fair. Like I say, I one I can watch for for gratis, and one I've got to pay for. It's not a lot to pay for, but it's yeah, quite... it's a superhero film as well, which is the bonus where you don't really. I think people are off put these days by thinking you need to have watched like a previous like seventeen to know going in. The list can stand alone, so you okay. don't really need any prior knowledge there. So you're good. So like I said, we're back. Goodbye. And that is Logan from me, Memento Ooh. from Sean. What did you say from me? Memento. What? That's what you told me it was. Minority Report. <laughs> Why is something cross? <laughs> I don't know where you've got this from. This is what happens when you don't look at the chat because you don't want to know, Sean. <laughs> yeah, true. I didn't even know my own one, apparently. Yeah, I literally sent you a picture in the week of the image I drafted up for your pick. I didn't look at it. You replied to me saying nice. <laughs> I said it only to you.